Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 24, we're continuing, of course, our study. If you're new, we uh, go verse by verse, passage by passage, going through the Bible. We started the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to also go ahead and go 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel for sure. In this book, we see uh, a man named Samuel, and we see uh, Saul, who was the first king of Israel. We see Jonathan, who was Saul's son. We see David, who's going to be the second king of Israel. And that's what we're seeing. And so as we're going through it right now, Saul is the king, but he's already been rejected by God. David has already been anointed by God as the king, but he's not the king yet. And so there's the rest of this book is basically the, the struggle, and Saul is seeking to kill David. Uh, and uh, David's got to wait on God's timing. Saul knows that he's been rejected, and, and we'll see what happens. So as we look at this passage, we're going to see God's protection of David. And we've been seeing this over and over and over. Now, here's what's amazing. Saul has his army. He's trying to hunt down David. He can never find him. He can never catch him. But David's family found him. David's 600 men found him. The priest found David. Jonathan found David. Everybody that wants to find David can find David except Saul. And why is that? Because if you looked back at chapter 23 in verse 14, it says, but God did not deliver David into his hand. God is going to protect David. David's going to be the next king of Israel. Saul was chosen as king because of Saul's disobedience and refusing to obey God and all of those things. God rejected Saul. He has chosen David from the tribe of Judah to be the next king. David is a man after God's own heart. And so that's what we're seeing. Last time we saw that Saul almost caught David. David was at a, a sort of a, a mountain with his men, and Saul surrounded him, looked like he had him caught, and just at the last moment, the Philistines invaded, and so Saul had to leave to go back, and of course, Saul, uh, David is protected again. Now, something is going to really happen in this chapter, and here's what we're going to look at. We're going to see that David has a chance to kill Saul. Now, if you were David, what would you do? Listen, you're, you know that God has already appointed you. You're going to be the next king of Israel. Saul won't give it up, so to speak. He's trying to kill you. And now this morning, we're going to see that David has a chance to kill Saul. What would you do? How, well, what would you do? You could say, well, I mean, David could say, well, I'm supposed to be the next king anyway. And so uh, maybe, maybe this is what God wants me to do. What will David do? Because David's going to realize, and David knows this already, that vengeance belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to David. It belongs to the Lord. And that he's waiting on the Lord because at the right time, God will put him in that position. I want us to think about our lives. Uh, how do we, vengeance belongs to the Lord. How do we respond to those who hurt us? I mentioned in the first service, if you haven't been hurt by somebody, you will be. And so how do we respond to that? What do we do? Do we seek to get people back? Uh, vengeance, is, you know, vengeance belongs to the Lord. And the second thing is, how do we respond when things are not going as we wish they're going? It's, it's not the right time. We'll say something like, why hasn't this happened yet? Or what's going on? Or why didn't this happen? And uh, what do we do? Do we trust God? How does it work? And we'll see that as we go through it. Let me, let me begin by just reminding you that uh, when we think about it, sometimes in our lives, if we live long enough, for sure, people are going to do you wrong. People are going to hurt you. Sometimes people hurt us, and they didn't mean to do it. They didn't even know that they didn't know they did it, or if they did it, they didn't really mean to do it. And then there's going to be sometimes that people hurt you, and they did it on purpose. They meant to hurt you. So how do we respond? And we've talked about this many times. There's what we call the the natural response or natural life, and then there's the spiritual uh, life. The natural life is a person lives in the flesh. And we respond in the flesh. And if somebody does us wrong, 
we say, I'm going to get them back. They're not going to get away with this. I mean, I mean, that's wrong what they did, and they should be caught, and, you know, we're going to get them back. I'm going to get them back somehow. That's called the natural response. The supernatural response is that we understand that we don't get people back, that vengeance belongs to the Lord. In fact, the Bible says something that is really hard. It says, do not return evil with evil, return evil with good. And that actually means that people who do you wrong, instead of trying to get them back, you actually try to do good for them. And we would say, that's going to be really hard. Yeah, that's going to be supernatural. It's not the natural life, it's the supernatural life. Well, we see that this is what's going on with David. David has not done anything wrong with Saul. He's done everything Saul wanted him to do. Saul's the king of Israel. David's been helping him. Suddenly Saul has been rejected by God and David has been anointed. Saul wants to kill David. David has never done anything wrong to, to Saul and he's running for his life. And if you said to David, what do you think about Saul? He'd say, Saul is bad. Saul's trying to kill me. I've never done anything to him. I don't know why he wants to kill me. And today the tables have turned. Where Saul's been trying to kill David, we already know that one time Saul picked up a spear and threw it at David and hit the wall. We know another time Saul picked up a spear, threw it at David, tried to kill him. We know that Saul surrounded David's house and David had to sneak out. We know that Saul has sent 3,000 soldiers after David two to three different times. So Saul's trying to kill David. This morning, in this passage, David has a chance to kill Saul. What's he going to do? Is he going to remember what the Scripture says? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We'll talk about it. Here's the outline, just a very simple outline for the passage. We're going to see Saul goes into a cave. We're going to see why he goes into the cave. It just so happens that Saul goes into a cave that David and his men are already in the cave. Saul doesn't know that. We're going to see David's calls to Saul, and we're going to see Saul's reply. So it's kind of a, it's a strange passage, kind of a funny passage in some ways. Uh, it, it wasn't that funny to Saul. That might be funny to us. But we'll look at it. Look at chapter 24 and look at verse 1. It says, Now when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, saying, Behold, David's in the wilderness of En Gedi. Now, remember last week, we, we ended where Saul had David trapped, and it looks bad. It looks like, good gracious, he's fixing to get David. That's going to be the end. Now, let me just tell you, I want to remind you that God is in control and that God has already said David's going to be the next king. And I guarantee you, God will never let Saul catch David. Never. So, in one sense, we could say, we're not going to worry about it. We know what's going to happen at the end of the, of the, chapter, of the book, and, and we'll see how that ties together. But Saul now returns from going after the Philistines, and they told him David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. So David has gone to a region called En Gedi. Let me give you on the map just to give you an idea where that is. Uh, David has been, uh, at, they've been at this little place called Keilah. David went over to Gath, which is a Philistine city. Ziklag is a Philistine city. He's been down at Hebron. He went to Ziph. Those were the people, remember the Ziphites wanted to turn David over. He's been down in what's called the wilderness of Maon. This is also called the wilderness of Judah. Over near the Dead Sea is a place called En Gedi. And it's real hilly, it's mountainous, it's caves, it's all kind of things. It's near the Dead Sea. That's where David has now come to. He's come over there. And let me give you, this is kind of what it looks like. It's rocky. There's caves up in the side of the, the hills. Another name for En Gedi is the Spring of the King. That's what it's called because there's water there as well. If you remember En Gedi, just to, just to think back, the Dead Sea Scrolls were scrolls that were copies of the Bible 
that were older than any copies we ever found. They were found in, in, in near En Gedi in, the dead, in a place uh, what, which we called uh, near En Gedi where up in a cave, uh, a young guy threw a rock up in there and heard something break. They went up in there and there were these big jars full of scripture. And they didn't know what they were, but that's near En Gedi and that's where David is hiding out in caves there. So look what happens. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. So he comes with 3,000 people. He's going after David. They went to a place called the rocks of the wild goats because there's goats everywhere, wild goats there. Now remember, David has 600 men. It started, he had 400. Now he's got 600. But Saul is coming with 3,000 men. Now you got to think about this. Why were those people come with Saul. Well, Saul's the king. If you're a soldier of Israel, you're supposed to obey the king, and Saul is the king. And Saul says, we're going to go hunt down, and we're going to go kill David. So watch what happens. Verse 3. He, this is he is referring to Saul, he came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were, were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. So Saul goes into this cave. Now, when it says to relieve himself, Saul's going in there to use the bathroom. Let's just face it. Saul's going to use the bathroom. So he's got his men. He says, look, wait a minute. I'm going I'm to go up into that cave. Then I'll be back in just a little bit. Meanwhile, hiding up in the cave is David and a whole bunch of his men. We don't know what all 600 men got in that cave. Or not. We don't have an idea, but it's probably a big, pretty good-sized cave. And so in the back of the cave, David is there because they hear him coming, and so they're hiding back there, and suddenly they see Saul come in by himself. And Saul has a robe, and Saul takes it off, of course, to use the bathroom, and he sets the robe somewhere, and he's using the bathroom. Now, what would you think if you're David? You're seeing Saul doesn't know he's there. And David could say, this is it. This is my chance. He's, he's tried to kill me over and over again. He's not watching anything. He's not even thinking about anybody being in his cave. I could go get him. So look what it says again. In verse 3, he came to the sheep bowls on the way, and there was a cave. Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. I always say that uh, be careful where you go to the bathroom. I mean, that's just one thing to learn from this passage. But anyway, this is an opportunity to kill Saul. And let's think about that. Should David kill Saul? Now, let's think about it because who's supposed to be the next king of Israel? David is, and Saul's not supposed to be. Saul's already been rejected by God. Saul's a man of the flesh. Saul's not got the Holy Spirit uh, to serve, and David does. And so what should happen? I want you to think about two problems here. Who's supposed to do away with Saul, David or God? And who decides when David becomes king, David or God? And the truth is, the answer to both of those is God. It's not David's responsibility to do away with Saul. And David doesn't decide when he becomes the king. If you remember, David was anointed as king when he was probably 14 or 15 years old. And the Bible tells us he becomes the king at age 30. So 15 years in between the time that he was anointed to the time that he becomes the king. Well, what do you think David's men think? They look at David and they go, there he is. Get him. We can get him. This is it. 
This is it. Watch verse four. The men of David said to him, behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. I'm going to stop there for a second. The men say, this is it. This is the day God told David he's going to give his enemy into his hand. This is your day to kill Saul. Now, David's smart enough to realize maybe that's not the route route to go because Saul is the anointed one of God. He's the king of Israel. So what does David do? Look what it says. The men of David said to him, this is verse 4 again, Behold, this is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand. You shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. Now, can you picture this? Saul is not, he, he, he took his robe off and put it somewhere, and he's using the bathroom, and David sneaks up. And, and now think about it. What if David would have made, Brian and I talked about this after the first service, what, what if David would have made noise Saul turned around, ran out. David's men are trapped in a cave, and Saul has all his army out there. They would have never got out. But David sneaks up, takes that robe, takes his knife, cuts off a piece of the robe, and has it in his hand. Look at verse 5. It came about afterwards that David's conscience bothered him because he'd cut off the edge of Saul's robe. I mean, when he did it, and he went back to his men and got, I got the robe. Then he went, I probably shouldn't have done that. That's probably not the thing I should have done. Why? Because, why would he do it? First of all, he did it to embarrass. Because when Saul comes back out of there, one of these times he's going to say, look at your robe. And Saul's going to go, what happened to my robe? And then he's going to show him. David's saying, I could have killed you. I could have killed you. But David is bothered because to touch Saul was to touch the anointed of God. And we don't think about it that way, but God actually set Saul apart as the first king. He's now set David apart as the second king. And David is saying, I'm really not supposed to harm him. It's up to God to deal with him, not me. I, I can't deal with him. So look what happened. After it bothered David's conscience, and, and he'd cut the robe off. So verse 6, so he said to his men, Far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's, to my Lord the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. So he said, I, I, no, I better not. I better, I, I shouldn't have done that. Then David, look at verse 7. David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose, left the cave, and went on his way. David persuaded his men. And he said, no, no, no. Because his men probably said this. Okay, you don't have to touch him. We'll kill him. You just stay right here. We'll sneak up and kill him. And David said, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. We can't do this. We can't kill Saul. We can't kill Saul. As much as David's life is in danger from Saul, he can't. You know why? He's got to wait on the Lord. He's got to wait on the Lord. He knows Saul's king. He's going to be king. When's it going to happen? He does not know. God hadn't said, at a certain age, you're going to be the king. All he knows is he's supposed to be the next king, and Saul is the king, and Saul is trying to kill him. He's going to have to trust God. And sometimes in our lives... 
we want something right now. We say, this should happen now, and it doesn't. Or, Lord, why didn't this? Or, or why did this happen? Or why hadn't this happened? And we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to trust him. God's plan. God's working all things according to the counsel of his will. We've got to trust him. The second thing is we've got to remember, vengeance belongs to the Lord. David said, I cannot touch him because if anybody's going to touch him, God's going to touch him, not me. And sometimes in our lives, people hurt us. And they hurt us badly. And we say, that's not right. And there, they shouldn't get away with this. And the truth is, they're not going to get away with it. As I live, says the Lord, it says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. God will deal with evil doers. He will. He said, I got to wait. I got to trust. I think, personally, I think this is one of the hardest things for Christians, that when do, people do us wrong, not only are we not to get them back and leave it to God, but ultimately we're to do good to them. I mean, it's real easy to say when somebody does you wrong, say, I'm just not going to have anything to do with them anymore. I mean, I'm not going to hurt them, but I'm not going to have anything to do with them anymore. But the Bible actually says, don't return evil with evil, return evil with good. And you say, I'm supposed to do good to somebody who hurt me? Well, that's what it says. Pretty hard. Well, look what happens. Saul rose up. The end of verse 7, Saul rose up, left the cave, went on his way. He came back to his guys, put his robe back on, wasn't watching, watch, comes out. Afterwards, David rose, went out of the cave, and called after Saul, saying, my lord, the king. Saul looked behind him. David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. So David, Saul comes out from the cave and goes down. David comes out of the cave and says, my lord, the king. Saul looks back and there's David and David bows down to him. You can see Saul going, wait a minute. That's the cave I just came out of. I think Saul's going, wait a minute. That guy, he was in that cave. David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men saying, behold, David seeks to seek you harm? He says, why are you listening to people? They're telling you that I'm trying to kill you. He's never tried to kill Saul. In fact, Saul's been telling people that David's trying to kill him. David's never tried to kill him. David's never done one thing to Saul. And so David says, why are you listening to all these things? And then he says, behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord had given you today into my hand in the cave, and they said to kill you. But my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, or for he is the Lord's anointed. You know what he said? He said, today I had you. I had people in the cave said to kill you, but I had pity on you, Saul. I decided I would not touch the Lord's anointed. He said, I could have killed you, but I didn't. You could almost see Saul saying, you couldn't have killed me. You couldn't, you couldn't have killed me. And watch what he does. He said, my father, he said, my father, see, that's what he calls King Saul. Indeed, the edge of your robe is in my hand. For in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you, know and perceive that there's no evil or rebellion in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you're lying in wait to take my life. He said, how, how do you know? How do you know I could have killed you? 
look what I have in my hand. It's part of your, your robe. And you can see Saul go. He cut off my robe. Right? He could have killed me. He could have killed him. If you're Saul, you know what you think? Man, why didn't he kill me? Why didn't he kill me? He probably should have killed me. David says, I'm not after you. I'm not trying to kill you. And then I love verse 12. David says, may the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. He said, if there's going to be any vengeance, it's going to be the Lord get the vengeance. I'm not going to be the one to get the vengeance. And let me tell you, in our lives, sometimes we say, I'd like to get that person back, or I think somebody ought to get them back. I hope something gets them back. All you can say is, I'm going to trust God that at the right time and the right way, God deals with people, especially people who hurt other people. And we have to trust him. And that's what David is saying. David's saying, it's not going to be doing the vengeance. It's going to be God doing the vengeance. And the key in our life, let the Lord deal with those who hurt us. Allow the Lord to take it, to take it himself. We must repay evil with good. That is really hard. Let me just say something to you. That see, sometimes we, we, we get hurt. And even if we say, okay, I won't get them back. But you hate them, and you're angry at them, and you don't forgive them. And you have to forgive them because forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness releases the debt because if we don't release the debt, we'll become bitter. We'll become angry, and and we'll become hurt over this whole thing. We need to let it go and let God deal with them. We must, and I hate to say it, we must. Well, no, I don't hate to say it. I just hard to say it. We have to repay evil with good. We have to. We have to let God take it. And deal with it. Proverbs twenty twenty two. Do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. And look at David. He quotes it. He says, basically, as a proverb of the ancient says, this is verse 13, out of, the wicked come, out of the wicked come wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. He said, you're doing evil, Saul, because you are evil. You are. You're wicked. Out of the wicked comes the wickedness. Out of the wicked comes the wickedness. He says, I'm not doing this. And then he he sort of makes fun and says, you know, what am I? I'm just like a dead dog. I'm like a flea. After whom does the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? I mean, why would you come after me? I'm not important. We all know why he's coming after him. Saul knows that David's going to be the next king, and he doesn't want to be the next king. He wants to stop the whole thing. He wants to kill David, and he can't do it. And he wants to. And David's saying, I'm nothing. And then verse 15, the judge therefore will judge between uh, and decide between you and me. And may he plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. May the Lord judge and take care of me. Now, I want you just stay right where you are. I'm going to turn over to Psalm 57, okay, just for a second. Uh, we did this just recently. Uh, this is a psalm that David wrote when this event happened. In fact, it actually says this is a mikvah, which is a type of song of David when he was fled from Saul when they were in the cave. And he starts off by saying that David trusts God in the trials. Listen to this. Be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious to me. My soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. And then he cries out for help. And I'm not going to read every verse, but he says, I cry to the Most High God. God, send forth your loving kindness. My soul is among the lines, but I rest in you. And then he says, verse 6, which is amazing, look. 
They have prepared a net for my feet, but they have fallen into it themselves. And that's what happened to Saul. He was going to try to kill David, but he fell right to a place where David could have killed him. And then he ends the psalm with praise. And he says, my heart is steadfast. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise God. So sometime if you want to write down that, Psalm 57, that's the psalm David wrote when he was going through this event. We have to remember to praise and thank God when he answers our prayers, when we're going through these trials, when all these things happen, we have to say, Lord, I do not understand it, but I trust you. I I, I rest in you because you are my God and my Savior. Well, look what happens. When David had finished speaking, this is verse 16. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul, now by the way, I want you to see Saul because Saul's crazy, Right? We all know Saul's crazy, right? You, you, you understand that Saul has lost it. And one minute he'll say something, one thing, like he'll say to Jonathan, oh, I would never kill David. And then he throws a spear at David trying to kill him. And so he's crazy. And here's, listen to what he says, verse 16. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son David? And of course the answer is yes, that's me. And look what Saul does. Saul lifted up his voice and wept. This is the king of Israel crying in front of all his people. He's crying. And look what he says. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have dealt well with me while I dealt wickedly with you. Look what he says. You've always done, you've done good to me, but I've done bad to you. And that's the way it is. David always lived in God's power. Saul lived in the flesh. David did good Saul did evil. Saul actually says, you did good, I did bad. And then he goes on to say, you have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand, and you did not kill me. Wow. And then he goes on to say, for if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safely? No, he'll kill his enemy. May the Lord therefore reward you, watch, reward you, with good in return for what you've done today. Wow. He's basically saying, David, you must not be my enemy. Since David didn't kill Saul, it proved he's not his enemy. And then this next verse is going to be something that if, I, if it wasn't in the Scripture, I would not have believed it. It's what Saul says. Now, if you came to Saul and said, Saul, are you the king of Israel? He'd say, yes. You're supposed to be the king of Israel? He'd say, yes. I thought God had said, you're not supposed to be the king of Israel. I don't care. Look what he says in verse 20. Now behold, I know, this is Saul speaking to David. Now behold, I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. You will be the king. You realize that all of Saul's soldiers are hearing this. All of David's men are hearing this. Saul says, you will be king. He's right. It's one of the few things he's right about. He's right. David will be the king. He realizes this. Samuel had already told Saul that another would take his place. That is David. Saul never wanted to accept God's will. This is one of the keys, and we've talked about this. We're going to talk about it right at the end when we get to our applications. How do you feel about God's will? God's will is found in God's word. Are you going to live by, are you and I, are we going to live by the word of God or not? 
I mean, there are things in the Bible, some people say things like, well, I know what that says, but I don't, I'm not going to do that. Are we going to live by the Scripture or not? Are we going to make our lives based on the Scripture, the Word of God or not? Saul wasn't. Saul said, I know that David's supposed to be the king, but I want to be the king. And then look what he does. He makes David, he, he, he requests an oath from David. Look what it is in verse 21. So now swear to me by the, by, by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's household. He says, David, don't kill my family. We all know that when a new king came to power, that the new king would often kill the family of the old king so nobody has the right to the throne. We already know that David's best friend is Saul's son, Jonathan. Saul doesn't really know, but all Saul is saying is, David, when you become king, don't kill my kids. Don't kill my family. Don't do that. And of course, David would say, I'd never kill Jonathan. Jonathan is my best friend. And so David says, yes. So verse 22, David swore to Saul, and Saul went to his home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Stronghold is sort of a uh, kind of a place where you can hide. It's got rocks. It's, it's in that same area. And so that's what he's doing. Now, let's stop for a second. Do you believe that Saul now says, mm, I'm sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't have been chasing David. David's going to be the next king. He and I have got an agreement. He'll take care of my kids when he becomes the king. Uh, I'm not even going to worry about this anymore. Do you think that's going to happen? We already know Saul's character. Saul's a liar. Saul's a man of the flesh. Saul will say whatever he needs to say to get by. And we're going to see that Saul is not going to stop the whole rest of the book. He's coming after David. And David doesn't trust him at all. If David trusted Saul, where would David be? He wouldn't be in the stronghold. He'd be back up at the capital. He'd be back to the, to the place where they, there, Saul has his place. But he's not going back there. See, Saul confesses and admits the truth, but he's short-lived. Saul's the man of the flesh. Whoops, there we go. And David doesn't trust Saul. Would you trust Saul? Answer would be no. Let me just say something. Be real careful in our lives when we deal with people who live by the flesh. could be unbelievers, and it could be believers. But you can live in the flesh whether you're a believer or not. And when people deal with the flesh, they will hurt you. So be real careful when you have dealings with people who are not spiritual people. If they're believers and they're not spiritual people, be very careful. They will try to hurt you sometime. And that's why David is not going back to be with Saul. David's still going to stay on the run because he doesn't trust Saul. Well, let me, let's get some, some applications. Let, let's, the, the main one that we see, of course, from this is let's leave vengeance to the Lord. I mean, we, we're not to get people back. In fact, uh, Romans, 7, uh, Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, uh, leave vengeance for the Lord. Uh, never return evil with evil. Return evil with good as much as possible. Be at peace with all men. Leave vengeance to the Lord. We're not to get people back. Let me tell you something, because I, I don't know if I brought it out in the first service or not. Listen, if somebody does you wrong, somebody does something illegal to you, somebody does something wrong, you're not to get them back. God has ordained in Genesis chapter 9 and in Romans chapter 13, God has ordained the government to punish evildoers. It is the role of the government that when people violate the laws and hurt people, that they are to be arrested and punished. 
That's the role of the government. Now, the government doesn't always do that. And a lot of times people get away with doing wrong things. That doesn't give us the right to go get them. Okay, so the vengeance is not ours. It's up to God. And he uses the government sometimes to do that. And he is established. But vengeance belongs to the Lord. So we got to trust God in this. Never pay back evil. People will do us wrong. Sometimes they do it by accident. Sometimes they do it on purpose. But what we have to do is leave vengeance to the Lord. Now, it's going to be a hard one. And also, it's going to be hard to do the good to them, the ones that hurt you. The second application is let's wait on God's timing. It'd be so easy for David to say, I'm supposed to be the king. Saul's right there. If I kill Saul, I'll be the king. So why don't I just kill him? Because it's not God's timing. It's not the time. And we have to trust God. And sometimes in our lives, we say, why hasn't this happened now? Well, we got to rest in God. He brings things about in his timing. Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for good. Those that love God, those that are called according to his purpose, we have to trust him. So what do we do while we're waiting? Be faithful. When we stand before Jesus, we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So trust him, be faithful, whether it's a job or promotion or school or awards or whatever it is, Say, I just have to trust God in his timing. My goal is to be faithful, to use the gifts, talents, and abilities that I have, and to touch lives for Jesus Christ and leave all the rest of that up to God in his timing. The last thing, I just I put this one, I just wanted you to think about it for a second, and that is may we know God's will from God's word. We know that God has his word, it is perfect and true, and that's how we're supposed to live. I said that you want to see three people in this passage how do they deal? Of course, Jonathan's not in his passage, but he's in the, in the book. How do they deal with knowing the will of God? Well, first of all, David. He knew God's will, that he would be king. So what did he do? He trusted God. Jonathan knew God's will, that David would be king. What did he do? He trusted God. Saul knew God's will. Whoops, let me give you a go. Saul knew God's will, that David would be the king, but he was opposed. He did not want the will of God to happen. He wanted to stay king, even though he was already rejected. What we want to do is live our lives based on the word of God. That's the will of God, so that we can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Live out a life of faithfulness.